There we go. All right. <laughs> hey, Jet. Hey. Hi. This is going to be so exciting. Um, so everyone, welcome to the ITCAST. I'm your host, Nika Sherell. This is our guest, Jet Noir. Uh, we're going to be speaking with Jet a lot later about some very exciting things. Um, the ITCAST is our community outreach podcast that aims to increase diversity in conversations on health and sexuality. Through this work, we are creating a world where all people feel loved, honored, and respected. Uh, this season, we have in our upcoming events, Releasing Sexual Shame, A Pathway to Freedom. That's going to be coming up this Wednesday, June 29th, all online. So feel free to go to our calendar and website to see more about that. Uh, and then also, we are having the Global Sexual Health and Freedom Summit. Uh, that's going to be here November 7th, uh, 17th and 18th. And you can RSVP and get more information at Sex Health Summit. Dot com. Uh, get to know us by visiting our link tree and check us out all across social media at Nika Shirell. Um, ha. Also, please, please, please send in your questions. Ask us anything. We definitely want to hear from you. Love to answer your questions on the show if you want to go ahead and type them in the chat. And um, and uh, get access to this bonus content that we have, super juicy, on our Patreon page. Subscribe to this YouTube channel and share with your community. Okay, Jet, 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 Jet. Today we are having real talk on sex expectations. And uh, we have Jet Noir. Jet has been involved in sex positive communities since 2002 in Atlanta. As a kinesiologist educated in the study of human movement and psychology, he's been he spent years coaching people to improve their perception of their bodies. He has taught workshops on improving the relationship we have with our five senses, interception. He's lectured on unpacking racial fetishization, humor and sex, and navigating consent internationally. He's done clip work and education workshops for kink.com. He's a co-organizer of Express Yourself, a play party for people of color here in Oakland, and frequently volunteers as a, an emotional support angel in support of sex positive communities. In his spare time, <laughs> Uh, we uh, so in his spare time, he's a part of the BIPOC Collectors Wellness Committee. Jed is published as a published author and author enjoys writing reviews for sex toys and porn, and lives in Oakland with his two cats. All right, Jed. <laughs> <laughs> that was I, right. <laughs> I, I always I always forget about that last part. <laughs> oh yes. Can we, I mean, do you have, are they nearby? Cats are always cute on camera. Okay, okay. So what's, what's funny about that is I actually switched to a standing desk while for this because I know that they have a tendency to like start jumping around. And it would be one thing if they're just like, you know, being sweet, but they're just like walking back and forth. And I'm like, okay, maybe not right now. <laughs> legit, legit. Cats don't really care about what you're doing and what's going they on. Mm -mm. They don't, you know, shoot, shooting porn in your living room. They don't care. They're like, what's that up? Oh, yeah. no, that part. They should sit right on the edge of the bed. Hey, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> shameless, shameless. That's what we're about. Um, okay, so tell us a bit more about yourself and why you were here doing the show today. Uh, well, first of all, I wanted to thank you for inviting me to be on the show. And then I also wanted to point to 
uh, it, I'm listed as a fundraising professional. And while that is true, I do a lot of things. That's the thing that I do the most. Uh, I am here today because um, as, as you and I have discussed, it's very important, something that's really important to me, sort of a driving force in my life is uh, when people don't consider how their actions impact others. And, uh, and so I've always been, communication has always been very important to me. And that's why I started using the words expectations because I wanted to communicate very clearly with anyone who I was maybe inviting over to my place to watch a movie or something like that. I wanted to be very clear, like, hey, do you want to come over and watch a movie with no expectations? Because I didn't want anyone to be, you know, sort of surprised, you know, with any sort of beat and switch situation or anything like that. Like, no, I just want to watch a movie. <laughs> and, um, and so I, I wanted to come and talk about, you know, what or how, you know, uh, managing our own expectations can, you know, affect the impact that we have on others. And, uh, and, and there's, there's so much that branches off from that. Yeah, I like that so much. Like the the context of creating no expectations, like it it feels good. It actually like it creates that realm of safety. You know, it's like if somebody is like, "Hey, come on over, like let's do this," then you right. know, and it's like, "Okay, right. let me prepare, right. <laughs> do all the things I need to do." Like, right, right, is it? Yeah, <laughs> Yes. Um, and that whole, the, yeah, the whole bait and switch conversation, like there's something about it. Like, again, the safety is missing. The communication is missing. Um, and. Oh, it uh, it sets you up. It sets you up for, you know, like possibly not having a good time. Yeah, definitely. I don't I don't want anyone who. I interact with to, to have any guesswork, you know, I don't, I don't want them left to figure things out. And that's, and the reason is because I don't like that. I don't like guessing and being left to figure out and, and, you know, having follow-up questions. It's like, let's just be very clear from the start. Yeah. 100%. I was having a conversation about negotiations the other day and like why they're important is like, if, you, if you're going to take a test, and you go in, like, knowing, you know, like, you've done the homework, then you're going to do better at the test. If you're going to play a game, you want to know the rules. You mm -hmm. know, like, these things set you up for success. And I think we all want to have successful, intimate engagements. Like, right, right. I agree. Definitely. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, so... When you talk about like people not acknowledging how their how their actions impact other people, um, what are like what are some of the things that you that you've seen happen that um, and that you want to impact in terms of like in terms of showing people their impact? Um, I've seen examples of uh, men, usually cisgender men. Uh, commenting on women's bodies and whether they do this through a social media post or cat calling out in the wild or whatnot they they'll make these comments and when you approach them like hey you know maybe that person doesn't want to hear that then they're like well i'm just giving a compliment you know it, it, and 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 their logic is oh well 
everyone loves a compliment. Why wouldn't someone want to be complimented? And I would always throw back at them. I'm like, okay, well, if you're just giving a compliment, why did you only give a compliment to the person that you found attractive? Why did you not just give out compliments to any and everybody? Mm. And, and there's never an answer to that. There's mm. never, I mean, not, not from a legitimate or, or, or a, um, there, there's never an answer that is not bullshit. You know, it's always, <laughs> it's always, um, wait, can we cuss on this? <laughs> I mean, you, I, we're on YouTube, so I think we have like a limit of five. And also okay. like- No, I got four left. <laughs> <laughs> No, I don't know if it's five each. <laughs> All you. <laughs> oh my goodness. And you know what I love about what you just said though is you know the conversation everyone needs loves to be everyone loves to be um crap complimented. <laughs> complimented. I almost said complicated. <laughs> there we go. Um yeah, you're not wrong. Everybody, everybody wants to be complimented. And it's like, that's like saying everyone wants to be objectified. Right, right. And, and that's, that's a big challenge for me is because it's like, um, you know, objectification is something that you want consent for. And when I say you want consent, I don't mean you should go and ask people, hey, can I objectify you? Because while I've certainly received that question, that's totally fine to receive that question in an intimate setting. Because I've been in a situation where I'm one-on-one with someone and they'll say, hey, is it okay if I objectify you for a minute? And then they fill in the blanks after that. But a lot of people, I've seen people do this thing where they'll, they're like, oh, I figured out, I figured it out, fellas. All we got to do is say, hey, may I give you a compliment? And then, and it's like, no, no, because now you're just looking for a workaround. Right. right. And, and it's like, that's, that's also not the move. The, the thing is, if, if you don't know this person and, and you're not giving a compliment from a genuine place, and here's what I mean by that. Mm-hmm. If someone, if I know that someone has, let's say that they've been trying to grow their hair and, and they wanted to like get really long hair or something like that. And then I haven't seen them in like a year and then their hair growth is looking really good. And I may say, hey, your hair looks good. And I want to, and here's something I want to point out as well. I will say your hair looks good instead of I like your hair. Mm. because one of those is about me Mm. and the other one is about that person in their hair wow okay I just learned how to give a compliment like and and and, and I want to be real clear to anyone listening and watching I'm not trying to like give an instruction guide on how to compliment or anything like that it's really more a matter of just listening and understanding uh you know the, the platinum rule which is treat others the way they want to be treated. Right. And the only way you can treat people the way they want to be treated is if you have a conversation with them, if, if you understand, you know, uh, what's, what's real for them, you know, mm-hmm. and what's important to them. Because if you just uh, off the cuff, because of this fat phobic society, walk up to someone who has lost some weight and say, you look good. Right. And then you later found out that they lost that weight due to illness or stress or something like that, then that that should be a, a big life lesson to say, oh, well, maybe I should understand what's happening with this person first mm. before I just reflexively compliment. Mm. Okay, I like that. So like, and I love like if there's not a rule book by any means. Right, right. But context, context is decisive. That's, exactly. Yeah. And so, I mean, sorry. Um, one of the things that I do um, 
and and I thought about this like when I when I when I noticed myself doing it was that I would compliment people on their fashion or like their style choices um and I I like I I'm a visual person and so when I see that I'm like oh that's a really cool choice and that like it's one of those things where it also has to be genuine it has to come from a genuine place um because like I'll compliment someone who I've never met before out in public but it's not because I want to get in their pants Right, right, right. Because it's and, I, and I've done that before as well. It's like I've totally been out for a walk and I'll see like I remember I saw this cat wearing some really nice red boots and and now and just without even hesitating, I was like nice boots and kept it moving. And it was really that simple because they were nice boots. And if I saw them in a store, I'd probably check to see if they had my size. You know what I mean? <laughs> but but that's that's all it was. Right. You know. Right. Simple, simple. And so when you go into interactions like that without the onus of needing something in return, like that, again, back to the safety and also like that, like there, it, we're we're talking now about manipulation. We're talking again about objectification. We're talking about the self-orientedness of that. And that like that inward focus doesn't allow you to actually communicate and connect with the person that's over there like Mm -hmm. you're too busy in your own world um yeah oh i'm sorry go ahead no 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 go ahead it's not like you're about to say something uh well another another big issue that i have with objectification is racial fetishization and so you know, a lot of people think it's a compliment when they say shit like, I'm into black guys. I'm like, okay, well, fucking good for you. You know, I don't, I don't want anything to do with you. Oh, that's, no, we're down to three, right? Three more? Okay. But seriously, it's like, okay, that's not the compliment you think it is. That's not, that doesn't mean anything to me other than, okay, this person is, is fetishizing my race. This right. person, uh, you know, wants to mark a special notch on their belt that, oh, you know, I, I got me a black one, you know, and it, or, and it's, you know what I mean? It's like, it, that's how they sound. That's how it feels, you know? And it's like, no, no, I'm good. I don't want, I don't want anything to do with you. Yeah, that one cuts deep. I mean, you know, when you think about like, there's so many correlations between slavery and the slave trade and how like these, um, these conversations around kink and sexuality and, you know, fetishes, like they cross over that line. And like to say things like that, like, ah, it, it is, it's really, it's icky and disheartening. Um, Wow, I got one. I got me one. Okay. Um, I mean, because that, like that part, I want to be clear. No one's ever actually said that to me, but it, it feel that's the vibe, you know. Okay, I don't know if I've shared this on the show before, but um, I, I did have one of those moments. Like, <clears throat> I, I get, I'm in the kink realm. I, you know, I enjoy people who get down like that. And uh, I was hanging out with this girl and I had just gotten this beautiful new toy. I was so excited about it. It, it, it is this antique meat hook. Now the hook isn't functional. I promise y'all I'm not hanging people up, 
but it's got this gorgeous wrought iron chain and on the other end, it's got this paddle. It feels so good. And like, I, I was, uh, I had this and I was talking to someone one day and she was like, oh yeah, I really like that toy. I, uh, but I really want to call it Amistad. No, no. And that's not it. Right. I don't think I've played with that toy since. Yeah, and this and this is what I mean when I say that people need to unpack their their language, their behavior, their reflex. They need to unpack that because it's, you know, that person I'm sure didn't think anything was wrong with that statement. Of course not, because they said it, right? It came out of their mouth. But um, even even if you were to explain, which you know you shouldn't go through the emotional labor of of, of doing or you shouldn't have to anyway, even if you explain it, then still, they would probably double down and be like, yeah, but I'm a side. Oh, because it's a funny <laughs> joke, you know, ha ha ha. Like, it's, it's so fucking weird. I'm sorry, that was one for me. Um, like, it just, the, the feeling, the feeling that it brings. And that's not to say that people aren't into these things, can't be into these things, but again, context is everything. And like, it's not funny like it's not it's not a joke um talking about spaces like that can we talk about play parties like yeah definitely and yeah and yeah go ahead so um a big part of why we put on express yourself it's a play party for people of color and by people of color is because you know with stories like you and i just pointed out you know the Amistad comment and people, you know, I'm in the black eye, all this other nonsense. Um, that sort of thing, when we when when we experience that from a white person, then we think of play parties. And then it I know a lot of people, a lot of people of color who have never been to a play party in their life because they, you know, they kind of have, to have a reputation for being mostly white spaces. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when a lot of people of color think of being naked and racially fetishized by white people in these mostly white spaces, then the immediate thought is, nope. And so when they hear about Express Yourself, they're like, wait a minute, it's just for people of color? I'm there. Yeah. And so um, so we have a lot of people that come to the party and it's their first time at a play party. And, um, one of the things that I find really fascinating is that out of all the play parties I've been to, and I've been going to them for like 20 years, um, I've never seen so much dancing as I have at Express Yourself. And, 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 and the reason for that, the reason, or, you know, I can't, obviously, you know, I can't read everyone's mind as to why they're dancing, but my, my assumption is you know, if you are in a room where you're not dealing with microaggressions and bullshit, there's a there's a special kind of freedom that just that is really difficult to describe unless you unless you're in it, unless yeah. you're feeling it, you know. And and a similar thing happens uh, as a burlesque performer. Periodically, I find myself in an all black cast, and every single time, it doesn't matter. Every single time I'm in an all black cast, I hear someone in the audience say this thing this is the best show that i've seen and and i'm confident 
that now granted there's a lot of amazing talent on that stage but i'm confident that a big part of that is because of what's happening backstage backstage we feel we feel so comfortable you know what i mean we're laughing we singing we talking shit we are having such a good time backstage mm-hmm. that it's difficult to get on stage and for that not to translate for the people not to feel that that joy and that mm-hmm. that comfort yeah and so so when you see that or you feel that plus the talent then yeah you get you get a great show mm, i like that i like that and that makes an extreme amount of sense cuz energetically like we vibe off of each other that's how art goes and going back to the conversation around safe spaces like there is you know in that realm of again microaggressions and uh macroaggressions and a bunch of other things like there is that missing opportunity of freedom and so it can be very very stifling um and I'll tell you right now I go to a lot of non-POC play parties just be just because I'm in this realm and I have never, ever, never, ever, 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 not once ever seen. Never, ever? There's not a single dance move. I Nobody has do a little slide. Nobody does a little wiggle. Like, and man, that, that even goes to show you like what the, the context of the energy of the space is because like there's this element of like joy like are you having joy you know and like there's there's fun and all these other things but like that that's its own experience so i want to i want to bring it back to uh you know you were saying let's talk about play parties and i want to bring that back to expectations Mm-hmm. And something that happens whenever I start talking to people about play parties, you know, maybe they've never been and I'm, you know, just, just and I'm not necessarily inviting them. I'm just letting them know they exist. They're a thing. And there are, there, there's a red flag that comes up when people respond a certain way, when someone says something along the lines of, you know, uh, how does everyone look? Like they're, you know, something about, you know, how, how they look, how do people look, what, what does the crowd look like? And, and what, they're, what they're getting at, what they're asking is, will I find the people there attractive? Mm-hmm. And, and the reason that's a red flag for me is because people are talking as if, you know, they're, they're asking like, they're not saying, is there a cute person there? They're, they're asking, is everyone there attractive? That's what they're asking. And, and like I said, it'll come in different phrasing, but there's always some element of, is everyone attractive? Some element of that. And that's a red flag for me because it's, number one, it's a foolish request because there is no such thing as any room in the world where more than 50% of the people are, are your definition of attractive. Right, that part. That's just not a thing, okay? And even if that room exists, like let's say, let's say you're attracted to, you know, cover models or something like that and let's say you walk into a party full of cover models okay that may be a case where you're attracted to a bunch of people but that doesn't mean that a they're attracted to you mm-hmm. and and b that that entitles you to anything you know what i mean so it's like what, why are you asking this question and so i know why they're asking the question because they have sex expectations you know this this notion so when um i've i've debated in the not 
for any length of time, but I've debated briefly in the past why I refer to them as play parties and not orgies. And the reason is because if I call it an orgy, then that has this, this undertone mm-hmm. that like when I walk in the door, I got to start fucking. Right. Implications. Right? right. But if, but if I say play party, then it's like, you know, you can, you don't have to do anything. You walk, a lot of times people just stand around the cheese plate talking, you know, it's really, and, and, and I have, I have at play parties in the past, I've had some really great conversations with asexual people who they just came there because they like the openness. They like people being themselves. They're there to support, you know, but we had some great conversations and it's because I wasn't trying, I wasn't there with expectations. I wasn't trying to get anything. I wasn't trying to come home. And something I like to tell people when, during the opening circle is like, hey, if you walked in here and you are, you are or you are going to be goal-oriented in any way, you are not gonna have a good time at this party. And and it's and it's because, you know, the a, a goal makes sense if it's something that you have control over. Like I'm gonna walk to the end of this block. Okay, well that's something you got control over. You can walk to the end of this block. But if it's involving another person, then that's not that shouldn't be a goal. That should be a conversation. Right. Wow. Yeah, no, that is that's incredibly real. And um, mm, yeah, we uh, got a comment in the chase. It says, I hate that those kind of comments. I totally a red flag. Thank you for bringing this up. Um, so yeah, like that whole space. And you can tell, like you can tell when somebody's like out to find someone or find something, there's a particular energy that's happening. And mm-hmm. it's easy to make people feel uncomfortable. Um, I, yeah, I, and I get, you know, like there is a huge difference as you pointed out between a play party and an orgy. And, um, and it's like the idea, the idea that going and ha- and like needing to have sex with anyone before you go to a play party is like, like you said, the goal orientation, it's actually frightening. It's frightening. It's like, okay, you got weird energy, <clears throat> kind of look like you want to fuck everything within, you know, like a two foot radius. Uh, I'm going to stay over here. Like that's the energy that's being put out. And Oh, you also mentioned concepts of hotness. Um, so like based on societal norms, you know, like is everyone there fit in 100% with societal normativity of right. being attractive? And I know that there are some groups and communities, whatnot, that actually have like weight limits, height limits, skin tone limits, like like all this stuff where it's like you can't come to this event unless you fit into all of these parameters and only people who fit into those parameters like like belong in that club so now I think you've got something that is specifically around objectification and the expectation of sex which is not in any way the same as a play party you know like like you said sex is not a requisite yeah, and for anyone who's never been to a play party and they're looking to decide which one may be their first one, I would recommend looking at, you know, what uh, what would gain access to that play party. So if if they have some of those uh, uh, stipulations, like you mentioned, like weight limits and all this other nonsense, then no dip, period. But you know, because what they should be looking at is okay, what kind of person are you? Right. Okay. 
are you are you a, a shitty person who won't hear someone's no or uh you know do you weigh a certain amount one of those is way more important okay period like i don't i don't give a fuck what you weigh right i'm not <clears throat> i'm not carrying you into the party right you know we just yeah we just hear and 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 as far as um so something okay i used to work in restaurants and I, and I would tell people don't ever go to a restaurant hungry and they would look at me like that's crazy and i'm like well here's the thing if you're already hungry when you walk in the door by the time you actually get a table get to your table place your order food reaches you then you're hangry and you're an asshole to everybody there and when it comes to uh so so it's like sure go to a restaurant when you need to eat but don't walk in the door hungry same and what's similar with a play party is mm. don't walk into a play party thirsty mm. because if you if you are like uh deprived of physical contact or your or your in your in your life outside of the play party if you are not getting your cup filled in other ways and then you walk into that play party expecting the party to magically fill up your cup in various ways then you're going to be goal oriented in 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 a more subtle way where you don't you, you may tell yourself like oh I'm fine and nothing happens sure you know but then you're but then you're thirsty right and then you go home and and nothing happened and you're just like well that was awful and it's mm. like well well you, you walked in here thirsty right and so that's not to say that you should like I don't know go have sex before you go to a play party no it's to say that um. The, the the party does not is not there to serve that purpose for you that's not what it's there for i think there was some rule back in when i was younger uh where they said uh jack off before every date like if you're gonna go out with somebody <laughs> make sure that's handled I, I remember that rule i grew i grew up in in detroit i remember that rule as well you know it's like oh you know just go and knock it out wait i'm like no i'm not not doing that uh, <laughs> um, I've also, you know, like, like the idea of enhancements, that's what we'll say. Like, you know, if you're going and you're getting, taking enhancement situations before you go into a party, that's another way. It's like, I'm going to set my body up so that it's prime to want and have sex versus wanting to be connected with someone. Did that make sense? Yeah. 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 Cause it's like, um, you know, and, and something I, I don't drink uh, and, you know, no shade to anyone who does drink, but I, you know, I often discourage people from, you know, being sort of alcohol focused at a party, you know, it's like, okay, it's one thing if, if you enjoy the taste of Jameson, sure, have a sip, but don't drink the damn bottle at the party, you know, don't, don't drink the whole joint because then, because then at that point, no matter how cool you thought you were, you're no longer cool because you're not, you're not uh you're not completely present and no one wants to be around that nobody likes drunk people anyone that tells you that i like you better when you're drunk that person probably shouldn't be in your life that's not that's not a compliment yeah they probably drunk too also that yeah <laughs> Um, yeah, sobriety at play parties is actually a huge factor because there are a lot of play parties that don't involve that whatsoever. Um, and then there are a lot of play parties that do. And even I would say the expectations in those parties are very, very different. And like I make sex toys, so I've been to pretty much all the parties. You can think of it, I've probably been to it. So mm -hmm. like there's a different vibe 
And going into these spaces, you actually like, again, know what you're stepping into. Um, and yeah, sex parties and swingers parties are not the same as <laughs> play parties, so forth and so on. Um, so yeah, I think the idea that you need something there, um, something there to like make you feel more connected, there's nothing wrong with that. If in fact, the goal is more connection and not more sex. Right, right. And, and then, and, and the issue that I have with, you know, uh, you know, imbibing too much is that it starts to blur that line. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you may feel like, oh, well, I'm going to have a drink for some liquid courage. And so then you start chatting with somebody and then three drinks later, uh, you know, the, the conversation might naturally evolve to something else. But now at this point, you're drunk. You know, and so it's like, okay, well, just, you know, and again, I want to be clear. I'm not, there's no shade to anybody who drinks, but all all I'm saying is just stop, pull back and ask yourself, okay, well, am I drinking this because of, I'm trying, you know, because I'm trying to manage my anxiety or something like that? Or, uh, you know, just ask yourself why, just challenge yourself. Like, okay, why am I drinking this? Why do I feel the need to drink this? That sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The deeper exploration. Yeah, and, and you, again, no shade to people who drink. That's probably one of the easiest examples of, you know, like the things in which people do that causes those sex expectations. Um, so, uh, okay, so we talked earlier about the whole giving a compliment and, you know, like going in there a little eager and a little hungry. One of the things that you mentioned is what men's role is in ending rape culture, like what um, so can you talk about that a bit? Cause I think we, there's a lot of y'all should be doing this and there's not a lot of like, like we don't get to hear, you know, like, like what's actually coming up and like how these things can work together versus that part. Yeah. So when it comes to men's role in ending rape culture, the, um, you have to understand, or not understand, it, it's the, I think it's best to consider who you're speaking to if you're trying to speak to a man about this sort of thing. Because if you are talking to someone who is over the age of 35, and, and I'm just saying that for the sake of like, you know, uh, developmentally speaking in terms of like them being set in their manner of thinking, right? Mm-hmm. If you're talking to someone who's over the age of 35, then there's there's a strong chance that you suggesting a change in their behavior is not going to land unless it's a change that they want to make within themselves. And, and I say that to say, it's really important for us to, you know, the changes that I would love to see in an ending rape culture may not happen in my lifetime, but, it, but that's why it's really important to talk to kids about this. Right. Uh, and, and more specifically, little boys. And I say that because uh, I'm a cisgender man, and I've seen countless examples of cisgender men in our society, cisgender boys in our society being taught, you got to go out and get the girl. And, you know, if and when you do, this is your measure of success. You got to go and get the girl. You know, you got to save the princess at the end of the Mario game and all this other nonsense, right? Oh, wow. <laughs> you, you, you know what I'm saying? This is, this is the thing that we've been taught since we could walk, right? And so uh, there, there, while there are many problems with that, um, the problem that comes to mind is 
number one, we're never taught how. Mm-hmm. Uh, and number two, while many older men think that they are te- teaching us how, what they're really doing is just recycling the same advice from one generation of men to another generation of men. And they're not involving women in this conversation at all. It's never, hey, you know, uh, it's never, here's what you can learn from women. It's never, here are conversations that you can have with women. It's never, uh, here's what platonic friendship looks like with women. It's never that. It's always go out and get them. And so, uh, and, and, and so then because of that, you have, an entire generation of men that still believe it's impossible for men and women to be just friends. Right. And, and as long, and as long as that mentality exists, then there will always be this, this, this horrible divide where if you don't see, if you think you can't be friends with a group of people, then you don't see that group of people as people. Right, and and if you don't see them as people, then then you won't stop to think, hey, this thing that I'm doing to them, at them, around them is shitty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and it goes it goes both ways, and it goes in all directions. You know, it is that prejudice and that separation. Um, wow, you know, and I I love that because you know there's a talk of like like not talking to each other, just like you pointed right. out. You know, because we all have our opinions and our ideas and our thoughts about ways it should go. And like having these um, archetypal masculine and feminine constructs is one of the dangers is like, like that opposing that opposition. Um, and some of what you're pointing to also is like, what I'm hearing is like the idea of jealousy. You know, like there's that, um, that space where Give me a second, because I, I, I just it just ankled and I was like, that's so real. Um, I'll come back to it. It'll come up again. Never mind. <laughs> It'll come up again. Yeah. Uh, can you give some examples, though, of like things that people have said and such? Uh, things that people have said around. Yeah, or like what you heard. Over, well, well, in, re- in relation to men relating to women or uh, men yeah that's I was thinking about um like the the older generations passing down these conversations and like the evolution or lack thereof of those yeah they're just garbage garbage advice really is is what it is and and I say so you know a lot not all but a lot of unsolicited advice is shit and that's why it's unsolicited. So like nobody asked you. But the um, I can remember as a kid getting advice from older men in my family about you know how to how to like have sex or how to you know get women or something like that. And and it was always that it was like get right like mm-hmm. like this like this thing you're going to pick up at a store possessiveness you know? that was what right. I heard thank you right. keep going right. <laughs> and um and I'll never forget my my older cousin who he was kind of like a big brother to my big brother and I because he was you know probably like I don't know 16 years older than I am and uh he said and he was so serious he was like 
Look here, man. What do you want to do? See, you ever you ever want to have sex with a girl? All you gotta do is just show you dick. And he was just, he was dead serious. And I remember now, now I'm not gonna lie, when I was a kid, I was just like, oh yeah, that sounds legit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and as I got older, I was like, what the fuck? That's not, you know, and that's not that's not the move. Yeah. But I I, I once wrote um I wrote a blog post about dick pics, not in defense of dick pics, but just pointing to why they'll never stop. Mm. Uh, and, it, and it's because of that sort of advice, that sort of logic, really. The logic is, hey, I don't know how to connect with this person on a real level. I don't know how to have a conversation with this person, this human being in front of me, because I don't even think we can be friends, right? Mm-hmm. Then. So, but I know that because there's been no sex education whatsoever, I just kind of know what I, what I get from popular media. And uh, uh, I know that I want them for the sex. So let me show them what I can bring to the sex. Mm-hmm. Ooh, ooh, I want them for the sex, sex expectations. Right. Okay, so you are absolutely fucking right i saw a lot of dicks in middle school like a lot of dicks all the dicks underneath the desks like you want to see my dick and this is the land before dick pics like this (laughs) this we didn't have easy is that a a special prequel to land of the lost Like, if you wanted a dick pic, you needed a light, you needed a, a Kodak disposable camera, and then somebody cool at the Walgreens. Like, you couldn't just send a dick pic. And uh, I feel like, like, why isn't that as illegal as flashing? And you're right. It's not going to go anywhere psychologically. It doesn't make sense. We, oh, mm-hmm. So the interesting thing about that is uh, in the state of California, the, the term sexual assault it has a very broad definition and one end of the spectrum is if if i were to show my genitals to someone from across the street that is considered sexual assault all the way up to and including violent rape and so it is against the law now you know dick picks in the in in a, a dm i think that's only illegal in texas but i can't and and please have your fact checkers double check. I could be very wrong, but I um I, I seem to remember that being that being uh did they say it was a felony or I, I don't no no not a felony but it was uh but it is it's it's against the law in Texas. You know it's so funny because I, I like I feel like maybe Texas got something right there, which anyway, <laughs> hello fellow Texans. Um so. Yeah, I'm like, you can you can show me your dick from across the internet and be fine. And if you show me your dick ac- from across the street, then that's an assault. And I'm like, this, it, it's, it's fucking weird. Like when we got to this point and like now I open my phone and I'm like somebody who I've never met has now sent me this image because they thought I would like it. Yeah, and, and I get dick pics too. And, and I'm just, and, and my, my responses are, um, I, I am as condescending as I possibly can because I, I'll write back and I'm like, so, so what are you expecting to accomplish? You know, it was like, what, what was the goal? 
am, am I now enamored with your dickness and now, now we're just going to go and run off into the sunset holding hands? What's going to happen? Mm -hmm. And, and I, and I do that because uh, sometimes I, I, sometimes I will flex male privilege in the sense that I know that I can talk that shit in the DMs and not end up with death threats. Mm. Mm. Um, okay, so this is this is legit. Uh, <clears throat> so, okay, many, many women request dick pics and it makes no sense when and if the men only comply, they can and will be charged. So I, I think I got most of what's being said there. Did that? Well, here's the thing. I, the conversation, we're, what we're talking about right now is unrequested picks. So right. anything to do with the requested picks is a completely different conversation. It, exactly. If, if somebody is like, hey, let me see that dick. Cool. There you go. It's, it's, it's really that simple. You know, um, so I don't, yeah, that's, that's a different conversation. And it's not a gender-based thing either. Like, don't right. send me a dick pic unless I ask for one. And that includes all the other body parts. You know, right, like, right. like if I ask for it, cool, I want to see it. But I did, I don't remember what, what I was watching, but um, recently I heard this distinction, and this is why it doesn't matter what gender we're talking about. Um, Male-oriented genders will often request dick pics at a higher frequency than female-oriented gendered uh, people. And so I'm like, so they're like, dick pics are never going to leave because... Th like these groups of people like that culture and i'm like well that's interesting like well i, I think that the the important uh the important caveat here is the request as long as it anytime somebody is requesting and the person that that has received the request is willing to give it cool ain't nothing wrong you know but it but if but if either one of those parties doesn't want it to happen you know whether whether it's and 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 this is even there there was i'm usually pretty good about you know navigating my phone and tech but there was one time one time where i sent the wrong video to the wrong person and luckily the they weren't able to view the attachment or something happened and i was like whoo because i did not mean to do that it was just it was just a tech a tech mess up you know uh but at the end of the day, if they were able to view the attachment, mm -hmm. whether it was a mistake or not, that doesn't matter. Right. Because the impact's still there. Right. That's legit. And I think that's another thing to point out in the realm of rape culture is like that, like the impact, whatever the level is, the impact is entirely there. And that all that goes all the way into the realm of, of objectification and this cultural thing that we're doing um okay so this this is incredible i want to thank you for being here and ask can you tell us where to find you what to find how to find uh and any resources that you want to bring to this conversation uh i try to keep my <clears throat> so i every now and again people will follow me on social media and i gotta just be completely honest with y'all i have not logged on to any instagrams or, or the twitters or none of that in like three months <laughs> And I probably won't ever again, because I don't, um, you know, I, I find social media to be nefarious. It's just not my scene. However, I do have a link tree 
that I think uh, you're going to put in the comments or something like that. But yep, we got I, try, it. I try to keep my link tree up to date with, um, you know, all of the things that I that I have going on. One of those things is uh, I have a team at Kiva. Kiva is a place where you can make uh, micro loans internationally. So if you wanted to uh, loan someone $20 in another country, and that $20 can mean that they can start their business. Uh, you know, sure, the money gets paid back, but you've made a huge difference in someone's life. And and, it's, and because it gets paid back, it's really, there's no sweat to it, right? Um, so things like that are all on my link tree. So that's that's the best way to keep up with what I have going on. Um, the, I don't, my next burlesque show isn't until like October sometime, just because I don't, I don't perform as much as I used to in the before times, just because, like I said earlier, it's, um, I, I used to do too much and I, and I've tried to change that part of my life. Smart, smart. Uh, yes. Um, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. And I, Oh, oh. I'm sorry. I, I almost forgot. Um, I also wanted to mention, and this is also on my link tree, the BIPOC Adult Industry Collective. I, uh, I'm on their wellness committee. Repeat that one more time slower. Sorry about that. The BIPOC Adult Industry Collective. And uh, what's, what's really important about what we do is that we support sex workers. And their sex workers need so much support in so many different ways. And the the number one thing that sex workers need is to no longer you know uh receive shame because so many people just want to just say oh well they want to make these judgment calls about what it means to be a sex worker but they don't actually know any sex workers they've never had any conversations and it, and it goes back to what i was saying about if you feel like you can't be friends with or have a conversation with a group of people then you tend to not view them as people mm-hmm. and you tend to not you know, advocate for them in ways that, that, that they need, not in ways that you think. Because I don't know any sex workers that are asking to be saved. You know, it, it's like, <laughs> you know, that they don't need, they don't need to be saved. They just need you to stop talking about them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Talking about uh, using normative stereotypes to oppress people. You know, it's right. ridiculous. Right. Um, and I love, you know, that that is very noble work that you do and we need it across the board. Um, we gonna talk more about sex workers, just so everybody knows. <laughs> um, and you know, one of the things that you said, they're not, they're not looking to be saved. And also like that distancing and objectifying of a community, I, I'm like, I need to get up into some offices and some boardrooms because that's where the real difference is made, you know, where the pen is hitting the paper. And, you know, that's a a level of care, you know, like driving down the street and trying to like, you know, like seeing it and being sad and, you know, pretending it doesn't exist. Like Mm -hmm. that's, that's not going to actually do anything to help these people versus save these people. That's not the same. Right. Uh, Something uh, I thought of, that's my uh, <laughs> there's a there's a thought experiment that I would like to throw out to the audience, and it, and it's this: we live in a world that has science classes at you know just at like every grade, uh, and we also have science fiction. 
And because those two things peacefully coexist, we can look at science fiction and say, oh, you know, it's interesting to fantasize about that, but you know that we know that realistically this would or would not happen. However, we live in a world that has no comprehensive, easily accessible sex education, but we do have sex fiction. Oh. Right? And so people tend to vilify sex fiction porn. They tend to vilify porn without taking a moment, taking a beat to recognize, oh, well, we don't have any proper education around this. Right. And when I hear stories about the majority of young people choosing to watch porn specifically because they're trying to learn how to initiate sex. And then we want to vilify porn, like, oh, well, porn is the reason that X, Y, Z is happening. It's like, well, if we had comprehensive sex ed that peacefully coexisted with sex fiction, right. much like science fiction and science, right. that, that, then everything would be very different. So, so my, you know, the, the thought experiment that I want to throw out to people is what would the world look like if we had sci-fi but no science classes? And would we then vilify sci-fi the same way that we vilify porn? Or will we recognize that, oh, well, maybe we need to teach people the right way? Mm. 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 That's, I like that. I mean, I do argue a little bit that science is still science fiction in some places in this country. And we definitely, yeah, we definitely need this, this work. Um, hashtag Roe v. Wade. Can we just not for a minute, like this isn't live stream and this is a very intense and sad day for America. So that again, leans into that not teaching uh, the whole sex ed conversation and right. what the consequences of that are. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for being here today, Jet. It has been a pleasure having you. you on the show. Um, all right. So we're going to go ahead and wrap. Oh, wrap up. Um, and I think we have a minute. Do we have time to talk about vasectomies? Oh, yeah. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> we almost so forgot, y'all. Okay, so here's, here's the, the first thing that I want to say about vasectomy is, is that, and this goes back to what I was saying about the, the need for comprehensive sex education, is that there are so many myths about vasectomies that if you do, a, if you're in whatever GIF engine or GIF search engine and you type in the word vasectomy, then you tend to see uh, scissors or, or like scissors cutting bananas and things like that to, to imply that this is going to cut your dick off or something. And, and that alone, it should be enough for people to recognize like, no, we need some proper education around this. And so I feel like if there was more education around vasectomies, then it would take the fear away from it. I was awake from my, from my vasectomy. I watched it happen. I was talking with the doctor. Um, the, my doctor that performed my vasectomy actually performed his own vasectomy. And that's when I knew I was like, yeah, that's the guy I want. Uh, but it's, it was a painless procedure. The, like the only, the only piece of it that did have some pain was initially when they were, you know, putting in the, um, they were anesthetizing the area. Uh, other than that, 
the recovery was pretty quick. You know, I feel fine after the fact. I'm happy to answer any specific questions anyone has about a vasectomy, but I bring this up specifically on today because they're, you know, short of short of buying yourself a Supreme Court seat, uh, then there's not much that can be done to change the laws in this country. Okay. However, as an individual, as as anyone out there in the world that has a penis and produces sperm, I would strongly encourage them to, if if you either know that you don't want kids or or even if you're not sure, I still encourage a vasectomy because they're reversible. When I tell people I got a vasectomy, they say, oh, you must hate kids. I'm like, no, I hate accidents. Because <laughs> I, I, actually, I actually love kids. I do. But I don't, you know, at 44, I don't want to be surprised. You know, no. It's, I don't think, I mean, hmm, there are people who are like, well, pregnancy doesn't happen by surprise. And I'm like, well, I don't like surprises, especially not ones that, are, I mean, <clears throat> That's a big commitment. And yeah, it is It is really, really sad because this has taken rights away from a specific group of people and it's gonna have ramifications that are gonna consist for quite some time. Um, last comment, Venom54, uh, education is available in few sources, but indoctrination is public, published in the public, pushed in the public. So yeah. <clears throat> Very real. That's true. Yeah. Um, all right. So uh, again, <laughs> so glad we caught that a bit about vasectomies. Um, thank you, everyone, for joining us today. The ITCAST is our community outreach podcast that increases diversity in conversations on health and sexuality. Through this work, we are creating a world where all people feel loved, honored, and respected. This week, sorry, next week, we have our Releasing Sexual Shame, A Pathway to Freedom uh, workshop. It's going to be online on Zoom, hosted by me. Uh, so go ahead and get your tickets. And we also have on September 17th and 18th, the Global Sexual Health and Freedom Summit. You can get more information and in RSVP at sexhealthsummit.com. Um, thank you for everybody who sent in questions and comments and thoughts. We love it. We love it. We love it. We love it. Please continue to ask us anything. We want to hear from you. Uh, you can click the link to find our survey to send your questions in, get access to our bonus content on Patreon, learn more about our work at theitcast.com, and subscribe to this YouTube channel and share with your community. All right. Thank you, everyone.